Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in this week to the OKS Hunter podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe and, and follow along uh, so you can get kind of updates on, on a weekly basis. And also remember that we do broadcast live. What does that mean? That means that you can catch us as we're recording the show real time on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our Twitter page, as well as our TikTok page. So if you want to jump in on the comments or call in on our call in line, which is 262-757-4122. You can participate in the podcast real time and hang out with us and and have a voice and and share your thoughts and all that stuff, ask questions and so forth. Uh, Next week, we're recording in studio with just ourselves, Uh, me, myself, uh, and me, myself. Well, that's kind of uh, me, Greg, and Derek, uh, likely all three of us here and no guests. So we're just going to kind of chew the fat amongst ourselves. We haven't done that in a while. So I think that's something we're going to try to do at least maybe once a month. where We can kind of just talk about what we're up to. And speaking of what we are up to, uh, Foam Fest is kind of around the corner. It's going to come up quick, even though it's at the end of August. It's August 27th. And if you want to come hang out with us, shoot your bow leisurely uh, at some 3D targets. We'll have a small course set up. Uh, and, and then we're going to drink some beer and hang out and just kind of get to know one another, hang out, have a good time. I'm currently working on getting some products from some of the uh, folks that we're partnered with and some others. So we're going to find some unique way to do some giveaways. So if you want to come to that, uh, certainly you'll probably make some money back uh, and some free stuff alone. Uh, but it's 20 bucks, and you can register on our website. Check out okisthunter.com, and uh, you can find our events tab. It's the only event that we have. You can register. It'll take you to Eventbrite, pay 20 bucks, and boom, there you go. Uh, what that'll help us cover is food, beverage, and uh, targets and all that stuff that we're going to pay for to get the thing set up. And it's our first event we've ever done, so have some grace with us if it's uh, only okay. Uh, we'll set the bar pretty low, and but hopefully y'all can make it you know, as okay as, as humanly possible, and we have some good memories to share from that uh, around the corner event. Uh, additionally, if you want to send in or share an okayest moment that you have, I want to have as many of those as possible, mainly because I really enjoy reading them, to be quite frank. Uh, but those go out in our weekly email blast, and we usually do one per week. So uh, last week, we had a great story that uh, you'll hear at the end of this episode. But if you are subscribed to our weekly email, you would have read it last week. And it's a pretty good story. Um, all of them are really good. They're funny. They're, there's a lot of humility in them. There's a lot of humble pie being served and some good laughs. So uh, certainly want to check that out. I'm trying to think of other other announcements. I think that's kind of it for now. That's what I have. So we'll go ahead and get into our episode for the week. Thanks guys for, for, uh, hanging out with us and, and being part of what, uh, keeps us doing this every week. I did have one more thing. I am rambling now. Uh, we did have, oh yeah, we crossed a small threshold. We have over a hundred reviews on iTunes or Apple podcast or whatever it's called. So thanks so much for the reviews. And, the uh, I think, the, the ratings, we have 102 ratings and we have, I don't know, somewhere close to that in review. So thanks so much, everybody that continues to jump on board with our mission ethos and support us. So, all right, I'll, I'll stop now. Let's get into it. This is the OKest Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks. That's just me with a freezer. 
It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. everybody welcome to the OKS Hunter podcast we're hanging out here in Oconomowoc Wisconsin in the OKS Hunter podcast studio brought to you by Spartan Forge use code OHP for everybody we're going to talk about but uh, head on over to spartanforge.ai and you can save your uh, save your money or some money on an annual subscription and one thing I want to mention about Spartan Forge what's that is I was watching the hunting public over the weekend mm-hmm. I had like some time yeah which is rare. And they were hanging out with the Deer Lab or Deer University. I forget which one that was, but um, Missouri Deer Lab, Missouri Deer University, whatever. Bunch of like really smart professors that like did all the deer tracking study stuff. Basically, all of the data that Bill with Spartan Forge and his team have gathered to inform their model, right? Sure. And I just thought it was interesting because they're showing maps of like, Basically, hundreds of dots that show, oh, this is where the deer was in October. This is where the deer was in December. And you're comparing and contrasting. That's really informative to look at. You should look at that stuff. You're probably going to learn something. Now, just think about that times eight years and millions of points. And then put into your cell phone. Uh, That's what Spartan Forge's deer movement predictability stuff is. And they're talking about the average deer by and large, right? Um, and then jam-packed it with a bunch of other tools, military-backed satellite imagery, UAV imagery. It's insane. So I hope that's a good explanation of what that is. Seems pretty uh, on point, I would say. <laughs> but those studies are really cool to see. They are. For the record. Like, the one deer uh, that they were tracking was very, like, it was in October, nowhere near this one tiny parcel, this tiny, like, maybe one-acre square, uh, you know, woodlot inside of an ag field and then come december that's the only spot he really was and it was just this tiny tiny spot and it was really overlooked so it was, it was cool to see the episode with the hunting public talk about that kind of stuff um speaking of hunting public uh i believe vector custom shop supplies arrows to those guys so it's kind of cool to be on the same mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they do shipping have. list as those guys we get all of their arrows also and uh they're really great, honestly, and they have obviously new products that have come out. They keep selling out every time they release them. Um, yeah, but they're, they're they're they added a, a lighter arrow uh, right around that 500 grain type arrow, the ZMR, the Zimmer. Yeah, the Zimmer, and then they Zimmer. they are changing up the front end components on the the HMR, the hammer. That's right. So, you know what they're changing? About uh, I think it's going to be something similar to the one piece design as it's on the Zimmer. Wow, we should do some fun videos of like the one piece design versus the- Oh, no. <laughs> I don't uh, want to picture you in a banana hammock. Yeah, I did a really uh, funny TikTok of this dude jumping off a pier into like one of those lily pads and then yes. it just ripped in the middle. And yep. I was like, well, this is what it looks like when you use a Vector Custom Shop area. You get a full pass through. Yeah, full pass through. No matter what. Uh, so use code OHP. You're going to save 10% off over there. I can't remember if it's free shipping or 10% off the product, but nonetheless, you'll save some money. So like, please use our stuff it's for your benefit. Uh, Latitude Outdoors, good friends of ours. We're running their saddles. We're going to be running their, uh, I think, sticks and platforms potentially this season. We'll so I'm excited for that. Um, use code OHP for 20% off on their stuff. 
these are good discounts, 25%, 10%, 20%, and then go wild. Um, if you're not on go wild and you're, or if you're sick of social media ever else or getting your wrist slapped by censorship or, you know, whatever your PETA's commenting on your stuff and throwing you blood just on you. Want another social media platform to mess around with. <laughs> you can log your, your podcast listens over there. Say, Hey, I listen to okay. It's podcast, but they have a, they have a, a shopping feature and commerce kind of integrated into their mm-hmm. social platform. It's really cool because yeah, you can buy everything from broadheads to, you know, boots and, yeah. And so like if, if you tag, you can tag, Fishing I'm using gear. this, that, and the other thing, Greg. And if you're like, well, gosh, I want to use what Greg's using. Cause he's the best hunter in the world. Um, which I am not. You can buy it right from there. That's that's subjective. But 10% off uh, over there if you use code OHP. And then go follow OKS Hunter on the Go Wild platform. We do have our own page. You can follow me, Greg, Derek. Um, we're all. We the all hang clown out there. will be there. Yeah, tag us and stuff. We'll, we'll get notified and jump in. So, I don't know, man. You've been hanging trail cams. I heard that uh, a tree fell down in front of one of yours. Yeah, got a few hung up. Not as many as I'd like. Just too much stuff going on. Vacation's coming up. I'm going to be running away for that so i kind of need to take care of some other things before i go playing around but is that what you're doing last week and hanging trail cams no no can't come to the podcast guys i gotta no i gotta get stuff done before vacation yeah i was getting stuff done before vacation (laughs) some garage cleaning it had to be done garage cleans the pain well we do have a guest with us so i won't uh, make her suffer in the backstage any longer courtney nicholson Thanks for joining us on the OKS Hunter podcast. Uh, I hope we didn't set the bar too low. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're the Associate Director of Communications for the Sportsman's Alliance, and uh, we're happy to have you today. Thanks. It's fun to be here. Well, yeah, that's good. I don't know if you have a drink. I don't know if I, I told you to go grab a drink, not that I'm ordering you around, but uh, you I do have to be some- told. <laughs> good. 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 It's good, to, it's good to see you. It's good to meet you. Uh, we've been chatting a little bit about some of your endeavors outdoors uh, as it relates to writing, but you've like been around the whole country, essentially, and you've been in this world for quite some time. Why don't you unpack that for us a little bit? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so I'm originally from New England. I'm from Massachusetts, and uh, I moved to New York City, of all places, to go to college. Um, wanted to work in the television industry, and so went to college, graduated, started doing just that. Worked uh, for a couple different production companies and post-production companies um, on a lot of DIY shows, a lot of shows for HGTV. Um, I worked on the second season of Swamp People doing post-production. Oh my gosh, um, what? Yeah, and then uh, got a job at Sportsman Channel and uh, had never hunted before, but grew up fishing, camping, being generally outdoorsy, but no one in my family hunted. So um, yeah, I worked there for about a year and just got really curious about hunting and said, I think I'm going to try this whole hunting thing. And I took hunter education in the Bronx Uh it was actually at a substance abuse treatment facility center oh. um, with like chain link fence on the windows. Um, and it was really unclear when you were signing in, which you were signing in for. There was one waiting room. Sounds pretty so safe. Were, oh, it's hilarious. So there were like TVs mounted to the ceiling that said like, do not change to Maury. Um, so it was pretty funny. Um, so took Hunter Ed and bought a shotgun and, I actually, the first time I ever went hunting was with a girl about my age who lived in upstate New York and 
someone gave me her contact. Uh, actually, it was Jim Ronquist at RNT Calls was like, do you know where this town is? And I said, I have no idea. It was like five hours north of New York City. So I called this girl out of the blue and said, uh, Jim gave me your phone number. Can I go turkey hunting with you? And that was the beginning of the end. So that was 12 years ago. So wow. So yeah. turkey hunting is a great uh, gateway drug to get into hunting. It is for sure. Yeah. So um, New York state is such a sleeper state for hunting. It's absolutely phenomenal. There's this much as New York city. And then literally it's like a six hour drive to drive to the Canadian border or to drive to, you know, Buffalo, Lake Erie. So there's a lot in New York that's phenomenal. Lots of farm country, lots of nice people, lots of lakes, lots of rivers. Yeah, big finger. deer when you can find them some of the places have antler restrictions some don't finger lakes are awesome duck hunting trout fishing like just everything so total sleeper state so you got hooked with turkey hunting out of the gate basically and then you it sounds like you've i mean like what hunts have you been on like what else have you done what species what states like, it sounds like you went deeper than most people ever would, which sounds like you definitely got the bug. Yeah, um, I've been everywhere. Uh, I think I've hunted in 19 or 20 different states wow. um, for everything. So pretty much, yeah, pretty much everything. So deer, That's mule deer, elk, hogs, turkeys. That's a lot. Like, how do you, yeah. how everything. do you, A, like afford that I, I assume you to some degree you have to kind of match like align your lifestyle um like with your living a little bit like pto and how to afford out-of-state tags and stuff these are these are big questions that people ponder like how do i hunt out of state what does not a state tag cost how do i get there what do i do with the meat how do i cross borders like how do i bring my my fire all or... the answers man dude <laughs> broke, <laughs> broke as shit lots of sleeping in your car uh lots of making friends and yeah lots of you can, I don't think I have it here with me. Uh, Walmart sells a $5 30 can insulated cooler tote bag. You can fit an entire dough deboned and frozen in that bag Sweet. and carry it on a plane. So really? and it'll stay frozen from Wyoming to Michigan. So we got, we got from, a Cody, from, from Cody, Wyoming to uh, Detroit and then a two hour drive up to central Michigan. So nice. You don't, yeah. Budget is, if you ever want to talk about budget, that's, that's where it's at. So yeah, there's like an out of state doe tag. You can get an out of state doe antelope tag in Wyoming for $45. Really? Yeah. It's worth it just to be able well, to go. Well, you can't really draw them anymore. They cut the tags like. Yeah. Wyoming's under a, a huge. Lot last year. Yeah, they they're they're undergoing a huge change in their out of state tag drawing that whole that whole deal. And the pronghorn population. So it's definitely there's a good reason why they cut I mean they cut in state tags too. Like they're the pronghorn aren't doing so good there. So but yeah, so yeah, just kinda What's your I, I mean what do, you, what do you think your um favorite species was and then like why? Why was that one your favorite? Ducks. Ducks are a blast. Yeah. Um, literally, ducks, literally, figuratively. Yeah. 
Ducks, I guess, I think because they're so beautiful. Um, everyone would pick on me whenever I'd shoot a new species. Like I'd be in the blind and I'd just be like rolling it over, just looking at it. And they're just so beautiful. Like each one's so unique, like the bill color, tertial feather color, feet color, like, you know, you got like bufflehead with their bubblegum pink feet, you know, bluebill shovelers, like everything. So really so cool. So one thing about duck hunting that the, the one time I went, uh, <laughs> Just the sheer number of species. Wait, did you say one time you've duck hunted? He went once. I went once. It wasn't successful. Although, (laughs) you know, it's not like the the person I went didn't try. Like, he's a listener to the show. He's a friend. Um, He is a duck guide, or he he was. I don't know if he's still doing that or not, but he brought the decoys. And I think the ducks just had left that area, you know, the the day previous weather conditions, whatever. But, you know, you said like shovel head and like there's yeah, all shoveler. these teal. And I'm like, I don't know. How the hell are you knowing what that is when it's just flying over? I can't. Lots of pictures and enough time out in the wild watching those birds. It's yeah. nuts. And then like, oh, well, those aren't good. Or, you know, those, these ones are good eating and these ones aren't. And you can only shoot so many of that one versus this one. And I'm like, how are you? Identif-? I just couldn't understand. Like, that's a whole, whole nother world. You know, you could nerd out. time. Stuff. Yeah, that's it. It takes yeah. probably time, I suppose. So one time isn't going to cut it. Greg's done plenty of duck hunting. I don't, Tyler, he's done a lot of pheasant hunting. He's, he's done, done more pheasant hunting. He's done some waterfall, but not, not to the extent of other people. Yeah, I love pheasant hunting. I love grouse hunting. I love dove hunting. Yep, all that's good stuff. Everything. If, if, I've if only been pheasant you, hunting once too. You'll hear me say it every time. If if you're struggling to learn how to shoot a deer on the run, if you're in a, involved in a group that does a lot of pushing during gun season if you struggle shooting deer on the on the run go out and bird hunt you're going to learn how to lead and shoot something on the move it's it's great practice I've done my fair that was the interesting thing i had like when i had started hunting i never lived in a state where uh people did pushes so that was interesting like hunting in states where you can do that yeah so. and here it's very commonplace. And like communicate, you know, like in Colorado, you can't do that. You can't group hunt, sure. and communicate, and use walkie-talkies or apps or anything. So, sure, it's pretty cool to learn all the do's and don'ts of different states. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. So, duck hunting, uh, duck are your favorite species. Do you have like a favorite hunt that you'd been on? I know that might be hard because you've been all over, but like, what contributed to like? I'm asking because you've done so much more than us. So I'm really curious to see what's going to spark my interest. Um, I'm kind of like the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. So I've definitely realized that at some point, like my friends who only bow hunt, like they're exceptional. And I go to league night and I'm like, I don't want to shoot. You're like tweet where it's just like, turn away while I shoot my bow for the first time. That's right. A year or two. Like that's me. So, um, yeah, I feel like I do a little bit of everything. So it's not embarrassing that I'm not good at anything, but I also have extreme ADD. So, um, I, yeah, uh, so many, probably my two favorite duck hunts I've been on. One was I went down to Texas like two years ago and it was exceptional because it was warm. So hunting in, I think it was January maybe. And it was super, super warm. And not, you know, it not being negative 11. Uh, and I could actually feel my fingers. That was a lot of fun. 
Um, and we just shot like lots, like I shot my first redhead, like just like gorgeous, gorgeous birds, like beautiful scenery. I shot my first pintail and it was just really cool. We were hunting in like this weird habitat. Like it was like mate not mangroves or like something like that. Uh, okay. It's my first time on an airboat. Like it was just wild. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. So it was just totally foreign to me to be on an airboat and going to like sit in this like weird jungle marsh, like really, really cool. Um, and then I think it was like New Year's day or the day after New Year's this past year, um, hunting sea ducks in Boston Harbor, like staring at the Boston lighthouse or whatever. And um, yeah, it was my first time doing like a layout boat hunt. So laying in like a little flying saucer and watching the sun come up and you're like, you hear the waves like licking like at your sides, like when you're laying in like a pool and like the water's going in and out of your ears. It's like, that's what it sounds like. Um, really, really cool. I threw that's my back out. And I was like laid up for the next two days because I realized like you can't turn all the way like this and shoot a duck behind you. So yeah, I kind of ruined, uh, I think that was a couple days before Christmas. That's what it was. Cause on Christmas day, I was like, uh, like hobbling around the house, like carrying casserole dishes and everyone's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, uh, I'm hurt. <laughs> everyone's, and everyone's like, she did this duck hunting. Don't feel bad for her. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you, know, you can't have any sympathy, unfortunately. Go figure. That's what a, it, no regret. Yeah, that's a bucket list hunt really for a lot of, a lot of duck hunters is to be able to go out and do a layout hunt for sea ducks, especially if you're looking to get an eider king eider or scouter or something like that on yeah. the East coast. I mean, we, we have it here in the great lakes, uh, green Bay and a few of the other places along the shoreline here where guys do go out and old squaw are probably, the, the most coveted trophy here. Um, but it's a pretty awesome hunt to be able to partake in. What are you doing? It's with, pretty cool. I was going to say, what are you doing with sea duck? Um, like for food, like you mentioned that you like to cook. And I think you said that off air. Um, but I'm curious with all the different types of wild game that you're bringing, especially with like the waterfowl. Um, how are you preparing this? Do you have like some go-to recipes, some traditional recipes, some favorite recipes, like your freezer's just got to be packed with good stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. My freezer, unfortunately, is empty right now uh, with moving. So, but um, yeah, kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, a little bit of everything. It depends how delicious they are. So, I mean, if you get like a delicious cornbread mallard from the middle of the country that's never touched salt water, like just put it on the grill and cook it super rare and salt and pepper and it's perfect or you know wood duck and same thing but uh yeah sea ducks are are a little rough um some of them are really rough so (laughs) you can make them in a jerky you can marinate them smoke them um pastrami works really well so yeah a little bit of everything is a good idea grind them yeah Corned duck is good. Corned goose. I like goose. I don't, I, weirdly enough, I don't really like duck. Uh, so. Yeah. Some of the folks on TikTok are saying duck hunting is fun. I just don't care for the meat on duck or goose. They said 
grouse and turkey uh, are their birds of choice for sure. for consuming. Well, and uh, I don't like wild turkey really. Goose is my favorite. I mean, goose is if you, you cook do a goose right, goose. you can do anything with goose. So, like anyone I know who doesn't like goose, like when have you had goose? And they're like, well, my grandma made like a Christmas goose once with burgundy wine or something. Or, like cooked it like a turkey, like full yeah. on cooked it and it turns gray and it smells horrific and i was like okay well it looks and it essentially is grass-fed beef like if you look at a canada goose breast it's very purple it looks very much like a grass-fed you know cow and why wouldn't it it's eating grass so i find that it doesn't really have a strong flavor either way um and that's what I do. Coat it with Montreal steak seasoning. I put it in a cast iron pan, sear the shit out of it, pop it in the oven, cook it super rare, slice it thin. It's excellent. Like I fooled so many people into thinking that it was beef. Um, duck, I like a lot. Like it does have that uh, irony flavor. Yeah, um, more like flavor. Yeah. So. But you, you I like, you're searing that goose and then putting it in the oven or, or the other way around? I usually sear it and then put it in the oven. So like get it nice and like charred and crusty on the outside and then put it in the oven to get the, cause it's, you know, they're so thick. You can't just sear it. Like it's raw on the inside. So okay. I've had a, uh, so like one of the, what the hell is the damn thing called? I don't know. We have like an air fryer that does everything. I don't even know what it is, but it has a sous vide feature it's not like the the sous vide. I don't know if that's like a style or a brand or whatever. I know you can stick like a sous vide into any basically, you know, kettle and, and they'll heat the water up. And um, I've done the sous vide with with venison and then seared it afterwards. Reverse the sear. Yeah. And that was good. Like it because I couldn't mess that up, really. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't mess it up. Yeah, yeah. these are awesome. They're really good. Um, I have one of the Anova ones and they're friggin phenomenal. It's nice too, cause it's like, you can use it essentially to slow cook something. So, you know, I, um, I butcher all my own meat and I vacuum seal it already. And so all you have to do is drop it into the hot water and it's got like the app and everything. And so if you want to slow cook something, it's perfect. So um, it'll keep it at that temperature. You won't have to worry about it. Like overcooking. Yeah. You can't or... overcook it. Yeah. It's perfect. So yeah, yeah I love the concept of grass. If you have not like explored it uh tom decray uh just made a comment here i know tom's big skin on, on mallard yep skin on oh. mallard rest in a hot skillet till the skin crisp up crisps up in its own fat cooked rare yeah is awesome. it'll actually render I out can, some i can fat. smell that right now yeah. it's it sounds delicious perfect one of, my, one of my favorite recipes i do i've done it with duck and goose um you know if you beat them up too bad you're just taking parts out of them. You're not keeping them whole, but I've deboned all the meat and, and, uh, balsamic, balsamic vinegar is a real good marinade. And then, uh, add, add some like Mrs. Dash garlic in there and then get your coals going after you get all the meat in the bag to marinate for 20 minutes to an hour or so, uh, and just do it rare on the grill. You know, the, the goose tenders, or you take the goose breast and slice it up into pieces about the size of the tenders and uh i've had people say uh it doesn't taste like goose and it doesn't taste like duck tastes like beef or it tastes like pork or anything but what what they thought it was are you is yeah. anybody doing anything with smokers with this stuff like i have 
You know, I bought the, I bought, I call it the smoking, smoking meat for dummies. I bought a pit boss. The problem you know? with smoking, you know, something so rare as like a duck breast is it will turn into jerky. It, there's not enough mm. there unless you marinate it in some olive oil. Okay. I haven't really. Yeah. You know, I've never bought a smoker. I'm too, too cheap. So I've got, the only thing I smoke is like if I'm doing um, pastrami and I'll just bring it to a friend's house. Yeah, and I do but all my smoking on a Weber grill. I, I indirect cook it. I get it to a certain temp, and if I got to add coals, I do. But I'll throw, you know, when I do salmon fillets, like what we catch on Lake Michigan, those are usually done with applewood chunks and mm-hmm. just let them go at 200 for as long as I can keep them on there until the, the flames start to die or until the heat starts to go away. Mm-hmm. By then, it's pretty well set to go. Yeah, I yeah got like, smoked yeah. fish is pretty damn good. Like, we got... Uh, a lot of like bluefish and striper out here. Nope. They really good smoke mackerel. Man, you guys are talking stuff that I just have not had much exposure to. <laughs> but you know, to the to the point of like the the smoker, you know, it's one of those pellet grills, right? You set the temperature, it stays at that temperature, and it just kind of does its thing. It's basically like an outdoor oven that uses wood for fuel. Well, I've only ever had electric smokers. Yeah, it's electric. I mean, you can get the it little. Yeah, turn it on, like foolproof, cheap. Yep, plug it in. It does its thing. It, you put the tray of wood shavings over the electric element and let it go. Hmm. It's real simple. I did some, uh, I don't remember what I did, some sort of pulled pork or whatever. And, uh, it's good. I, I think, you know, it's it's leveled up my ability to cook game in our household and to the tune that my wife will actually like it and eat it and say, wow, this is the best, you know, ABC, whatever the hell I've ever had. And she's never said that kind of stuff before. <laughs> so that's nice. <laughs> Smoked like, turkey breast is really, really good. I, I really don't care for wild turkey. It dries out so quickly and just yeah. uh, the smell when you're cutting it up is just <laughs> horrific. Like yeah. I raised chickens one summer and I was like, I would never do that again. The smell is just weird. And wild turkeys have that smell. Pheasants have that smell when you're butchering yep. pheasants. Oh, the smell of the sponge. Oh, there's, there's a reason they call them fall. Gross. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the smell is just so strange. So yeah, you just, I never get that smell out of my head when I'm cooking them, but even pheasant, I mean, pheasant is just, phenomenal like so tender so good but it just dries out instantly so i've like i've always been like a dark meat kind of like person for like turkey chicken whatever and so yeah it's like i usually will do like a lemon piccata with pheasant um grouse are phenomenal grouse are probably my favorite you know kind of light meat bird to eat John Self, so. who was here a couple weeks ago in studio, says, uh, get a sous vide. <laughs> and then I got one. Oh, yeah. Tom jumped. Yeah, back. it's cool. Like uh, all the like the comes with it's not like it's not too expensive on Amazon. They have the little plastic thing you put it in and then there's a lid on it. So it keeps the heat in, which I don't know. You don't really have to do, but uh, you can get the little racks that keep everything submerged inside. So it's fun. I'm definitely a, when I first started hunting, I remember my first deer that I shot, I asked all my friends, it's like, what do I do with this thing? Like, how do I cook it? And they gave me this like folded piece of computer paper, like here's a recipe for deer stew. And I was like, what is this? And 
it pretty much was, you know, can a cream of mushroom, can of corn, can of beans, like packet of gravy. I was like, oh, uh, is there anything else to do with this? They're like, soak it in Italian salad dressing for three oh, days no. and no, then they- wrap it in bacon. I was like, this is terrible. And I remember when I was working at Sportsman Channel, um, we got a lot of, we also own like 15 magazines and we got a lot of books. And so we got an advance like editor's copy of Hank Shaw's book, Buck Buck Moose. And I remember asking the editors, I was like, can I read that? Can I see that? What is that? And it totally blew my mind. It was like the first time I had ever read anything that was like, here's how to turn venison into actual food, an actual dish, and God forbid, gourmet food or international food. So that's what I love is um, I like eating a lot of like food from different countries and stuff like that. And especially if you have people who don't want to eat wild game or they think it's gamey or they're just not interested, adding a lot of different spices is really smart so you know if you're doing cuban food and you're adding cumin or you're doing middle eastern food and you're adding like all these different spices it's really really cool so um if i ever write a cookbook in my spare time uh it would be a like wild game easy international cooking cookbook because that's a lot of what i do like i do a lot of um right like that okay no, that yeah. you should go on. Uh, I mean, I'm happy that you're on our podcast, and I'm certainly this is a great talk track. But if you haven't been on the Huntivore podcast with Nick Otto, you guys would have a great time chatting. He, he, I know that he name. He's he's hmm. such a fun dude, anyways. But his podcast is all about cooking wild game. Um, you know, he taught like not that he taught me like personally, but I learned because of his podcast. I don't know if we were on his or he was on ours or one of the two. Um, to, to put mayonnaise on uh, around the, the meat because it creates that layer. Uh, I don't remember what was what it was, the recipe, but I tried it and it worked. It was like you're using that to help sear it. And uh, oh, he's a from- Michigander. All right. Yep. I trust him. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's, he's trustworthy. He's a, nice guy. he's a good guy. But yeah, anyway, check out, check out Huntivore podcast. He's got a lot of good episodes and, uh, I'll try, I'll tag him on this so he can, he can like sync up with you or be happy to do an intro or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned working for the, the sportsman's channel. I remember those guys, they were headquartered on New Berlin, Wisconsin, if I recall. And, yep. uh, you know, I was, like, time I, there. I was like, I wish I could get a job there, you know, but I didn't, I didn't have any marketable skills at that time. And I, you know, it just, uh, didn't make any sense. And they got consumed by a couple other players right at this point. And I know some of the folks that left that and started other stuff and, you know, to that end, though, you talked about some of the magazines and, you know, obviously we, we engaged through some of the, the writing stuff that I think we're reaching out about. Um, who, who have you all written for? Or you're still actively writing and it sounds like recipes are definitely a forte of yours. What are some of the things you're writing about? Um, I write a little bit about everything. Um, I started writing a lot for Women's Outdoor News um, and specifically kind of women-centric um, hunting stories. And uh, in the last five years or so, there's been an explosion of like a lot of different women-owned companies and social groups and groups that like 
organize hunts and things like that. But Women's Outdoor News was really the first. And so Barbara Baird and uh, Michelle Serino are just like the OGs of women in hunting and media. Um, and so I really enjoyed writing for them. Uh, really, the first thing I worked on was a column called She Guides. And it was a monthly column and I interviewed different female hunting guides. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I did it for about a year and a half. And then sadly, um, as expected, ran out of, uh, of guides to interview. Well, it's um, a small pool, I suppose. It's a small pool. So, um, so I kind of did a lot of writing for them, started doing like uh, gear reviews, things like that. And yeah, so working for a Sportsman Channel, so we were owned, I started there in 2011. We were owned by a company called Intermedia Outdoors. And at that time, we owned a production company called Warm Springs Productions in Montana. Um, we owned like 15 different magazines. So all the Game and Fish magazines, Guns and Ammo, Rifle Shooter, um, Wildfowl, Gun Dog, Bowhunter, Peterson's, kind of, the list goes on. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so um, Handgun Magazine. And so um, I started writing for them. I started doing things for Guns and Ammo. Um, I started shooting three gun really briefly. <laughs> started writing articles about that and uh, just a lot of intro articles. Um, so, you know, I'm a adult onset hunter and yeah, I just kind of learned everything all at once. And so my goal was just to make it a really welcoming, informative place. Like, I believe there's no stupid questions or maybe there are, but I ask them anyways. So um, just kind of getting into hunting and learning it all at once. So yeah, so I've written for a little bit of everyone and uh, a lot of like the magazines from nonprofits. And so I wrote for a Delta Waterfowl magazine, Mule Deer Foundation. Um, so yeah. You're known. People have probably read something you've written at some point along the way, at least since maybe 2011, right? That's a long time. Maybe. I don't know. So, like, I don't, that's not what I'm saying, right? I'm just, uh, you're seasoned. You, you've definitely, um, you're, you're in the space. You're in the category. A lot of folks, that's probably a whole other topic of like, how do you get into the outdoors? And writing is, a lot of folks can, can start to do it. And I'd argue that today is easier than 2011 because Grammarly did not exist then. True, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, um, a yeah, it's a lot of fun. And even now, like, there's so much, um, everyone wants content. So yep. all about content. And so it's really, you know, a lot of people ask me advice all the time. How do I, you know, become a writer? How do I break into this industry? And, you know, usually the first thing I ever advise people is what are the brands you admire? You know, what are the brands you use? Look in your closet. Like what do you purchase? What do you like? What do you buy year after year when your boots wear out, when, you know, you need new arrows, what are you buying? Um, and then look at their website, look at their social media, look at their newsletters. Do you admire the content that they're putting out? Do you admire the writing that they're putting out? Are they finding writers, um, you know, and personalities or whatever that you like and you align with and you think are authentic. And um, after that, you know, just reach out and contact them. So a lot of, you'd be surprised, a lot of websites that you click on their blog and their last post is from three years ago. 
Why? Because I don't know, maybe the person in charge of that left. Maybe they ran out of budget. Maybe they don't know what to do next. Maybe literally no one's thought about it. So, um, you know, if you're looking to make content, whether it's to sell, whether it's to, you know, make network or promote your own brand, like just start with the brands that you like and you admire um, and go from there and see where the need is, you know, go to their website, look in their catalog, you know, do they have stories? Are they looking for stories? Um, Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, yeah, that's good advice. That's because that's from a different perspective than I'm used to. I don't, you know, I'm not uh, a writer and I've tried my hand at it, but it's well, I'm strong or confident with. So it's a very different angle. A lot of folks are good at writing. You know, I think play to your strengths. There's three modalities of communication. It's the written word, it's videos and pictures. I'd lump those two together and it's audio. It's very clear where I'm comfortable. <laughs> it's in audio. I can talk all day. Uh, but writing, mm, that's challenging. Video is hard. Video is also like, it's a lot of work to, to, to film, to produce, to like cut it all up. Do it. There's a lot of work. Writing is a lot of work too, but there's a lot of different degrees of writing. If you're pumping out a 600 word article versus a whole piece or a couple page editorial for a magazine uh, on some topic that you decided to research all on your own and to get a story where it's real journalistic kind of stuff, that's very different. So there's a, a spectrum there of what you could probably start to tackle. Not everything needs to be the latter, but certainly there's a, an on-ramp there that, that could exist. And some people are really good at their words, like Mark Kenyon, look at him. He, he got his start by writing first, and then he went into podcasting, and then he did video stuff. So he was hitting on all of those different um, pillars of content, so to speak, but he's, he's still good with his words. He still writes a lot. He's got good editors too. Oh, does he? Yeah, now he does. <laughs> yeah. He's probably using, uh, he probably never had to use Grammarly a day in his life. I seem so, I'm just so bad at grammar. Um, and so now, now you're at sportsman's Alliance. like what, you know, short of the daily duties, that's not what I'm looking for here, but like, what, what are some of the things that, you know, you guys are up to over there that are, helping the hunting community and some of the like welcoming stuff that you'd mentioned that like kind of was how you got your start. I like that modality a lot. That's something that we play heavily on is being welcoming to people. Yeah. So, um, so we were founded in 1977 in Columbus, Ohio, and really we were born out of, um, there was a ballot initiative there that was really detrimental to the hunters and a bunch of, really smart, really passionate kick-ass hunters got together and trappers and fought this ballot initiative and succeeded. And they banded together and they started Sportsman's Alliance. And so um, from the beginning, we've always had support from kind of really major um, organizations like Cabela's and um, it's really just kind of grown and progressed from there. So it's always been a very small organization. It's always been based in Columbus. Um, our whole staff works there, except for myself and uh, my boss who lives in Washington state. And 
we just we kind of it's interesting so so my job i work in the communications department and my job is to tell the world the great work that we're doing and so like any nonprofit, we're really good at the work we do we're really good at making a change and hopefully making the world a better place uh but we're really bad at bragging about ourselves um and so that's kind of what my position's about and so when i joined the company i was like wow like I can't believe all these things that you've done. And, you know, I had heard of Sportsman's Alliance. Um, I'd been a member, I think on and off for a couple of years, but kind of really didn't know their full history. And so from like, you know, we wrote the, all of the uh, anti-hunter harassment laws, like that went into pretty much every state um, in the country. And so we've been, we work in all 50 states and at the federal level. Um, so everything from individual state issues to ballot initiatives to federal cases, you know, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife, um, you know, lawsuits that are ongoing, uh, endangered species, um, things that are going on, delisting, relisting. So, um, yeah, we do a little bit of everything. And you guys are based out of Ohio, so I'm assuming there's a pretty big you know, impact that happens and permeates and, or like ripples out from there. I didn't realize you guys had such a heavy hand in some of those things either. And that's never ending. Yeah, it's never ending. So, you know, there's states where you can say, oh, I've got a serious sunset going on. Um, (laughs) You know, there's some states where you can say like, okay, we really, we never have to worry about hunting in this state or um, anything like that, but you'd be surprised. And so we, um, we do a lot of, stuff uh with trapping and then a lot of dog related bills so we kind of um you know we take the hard stance so our logo is actually kind of supposed to be a spear our arrow mountaintop um is actually kind of a spear so our company is our organization is really the tip of the spear for um all the other ngos so we kind of take the hard stance um we do a lot of legislative work the lobbying um and things like that. And then we work with all of our partner organizations, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, SEI, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Um, but yeah, we we all work together to I was gonna ask do how the research, doing the lobbying and everything. So yeah, I was gonna ask how you guys, you know, complement some of the other organizations that exist. I mean, there's BHA, there's National Deer Alliance, nope. there's SEI, you know, for hunters, there's mm-hmm. so many. And and even like the the local DNRs, right? The at least where we're at, the Wisconsin DNR, um, they hold hearings where the you know the public can can join and 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 be a part of that and have a voice that's heard and so forth. And the number of bills that are being passed in just like the the tiny county that we're in, Waukesha County, Wisconsin, of like bills being introduced to try to take certain things away. It's like ho- holy shit, what what is going on? You know? Mm-hmm. And how do people become more aware of this stuff? And and for you guys to have tentacles that dive into all of these different nuances and different state legislators and things like that or legislations. Um, I'm talking about shit I don't know. So if I'm saying the wrong words, of course correct me. But there there's a lot of things happening. We had um Brad Latrell's a friend of mine with Go Wild. And he, he did an episode with us. I think it was titled like, is our culture being deleted? And he, he talked about, you know, we'll, we're losing in the polls and there's things he said, it's not the death of a thousand cuts. It's like, a, it's a big blow and it's happening right now. You know, uh, he, he urges people to sign up for organizations like yours to, to make an impact and a difference. 
So it, it is a tumultuous time right now. And, and social media, um, you know, at least in the digital marketing realm where I sit, things are being stripped from ad platforms. You can't exclude PETA any longer um, for ad targeting. You can't target the, the audience under hunting season any longer. There's things like that happening. Um, so it's happening in, in a lot of different corners of the world, whether that's in, in you know, uh, politics or even like the digital landscape things coming out of Silicon Valley. It's very interesting. There's probably too much to know or to articulate, but I wonder what are some of the things that people can be doing? What should we be doing? What is, where should we be going? How do we become involved as concerned hunters that want to like protect our heritage and legacy? Right. Picking up the phone and talking to your representatives. That's the biggest thing. But what am I going to say mm -hmm. to that guy or gal? Like, Hey, what, BHA you know? had a canned thing that you could literally read off to the representative's office. And yeah, it sounded canned like you were reading, but it, it got across the point where, hey, we want you to do something. We know something's going on here. We don't like it. Please go, you know, reassess what you're doing. And there's another. So I, just, I just recently moved and literally I came home and there was this on my door. What does that say for the people that are listening that have no idea what that is? Oh, it's a it's a kind of door hang tag about electing a local councilman for my I live in a city. So it's a city councilman in Ward 14 where I live. This is I can call this guy tomorrow and ask him <laughs> what his stance is about sportsman's rights, how he feels about hunting, how he feels about gun rights, what his stance is. Um, and that's really the first step. So if you go on our website or any of the other, um, you know, NGOs that you listed, if you don't know, you know, who your senator is, if you don't know who your congressman is, if you don't know who your local officials are, you need to know, you know, so you can go to our website. If you go to our legislative action center, you can type in your address and you can find them. Um, give them a call, go to their office. You know, it's a little harder now with COVID, but you know, I lived in Colorado for a long time. And when Colorado was trying to pass the core act, which was really, um, you know, it's a, you know, recreation, outdoor recreation, uh, um, kind of package that was, you know, really important to hunters. I went and I made an appointment to meet with my representatives and say, you know, I went and I, wrote a whole thing. And I said, this is why the core act is important to me. And I hope you support it and everything like that. And she said, I plan to support it and I will support it. And thank you for coming down and, you know, speaking to me. So that's really the first step. Like if you don't know who your local representatives are, find out, call them, email them and ask them, you know, what is your stance on hunting? You know, what is, how do you feel about sportsmen? Um, and get to know them. So, you know, the next time you have an issue in your state, so, you know, Rhode Island is actually going through a lot of um, kind of anti-sportsman bills in the last year. Um, and that's uh, important. New Jersey. Elect yeah. Rhode Island, New Jersey, you know, Massachusetts. I just moved from Massachusetts. It's like they have a coastal discharge ban. Every year they try to pass, it would pretty much eliminate duck hunting. So, you know, call up your local representative and say, how do you feel about this? You know, will you entertain this next year? Will you vote for it? How will you vote? And just for some, you just know. for some like, you know, fodder here, 
I'm assuming at some point you've probably run into people that like don't share the same value or maybe aren't aligned with that. Uh, I got into quite the argument with our mayor <laughs> about a road that they're punching through a wetland. And, uh, you know, it took a lot for me to not like reach across and punch a guy in the face because he was being a jackass. Um, that's a whole different story. But, you know, if they're, if they're not agreeing, it, it can, I, at least in that experience, it was very obvious where, what that guy's stance was. And he had no, uh, it's a scene from Wedding Crashers. Like, you'll say anything to make this happen. You know, like, I was like, geez, man, <laughs> you're like, all right, uh, I know what I'm dealing with now. But, you know, punching someone in the face is not an uh, amicable way to deal with this stuff. Um, so, you know, uh, blood in my mouth is better than what I'd say to some people. What, what's your recommendation if they, if they aren't? It's just like, oh, I'm just not going to vote for them when, the, when their ballot's up. Like, I'm going to, you know, seek out other candidates or, or what have you. That's it. Pretty much, yeah. So I find, like, education goes a long way. And so a lot of times, like, when, when you know, I just moved two weeks ago, like, I will go meet my uh, representatives. I bring a copy of our magazine, the Sportsman's Advocate with me. Like it's got a lot of information in it, like real information about hunting, about fishing, about sportsmen. Most of the time, a lot of these bills that are introduced, people don't even know what they're introducing. So a lot of times how a bill gets introduced is someone's constituent from their district will call them and say, I live on the coast and I'm really sick of these duck hunters waking me up every morning and it's wrong and make them go away. And they'll file a petition, you know, or they'll convince them to propose bill. And then it goes from there. And so a lot of times, like our first, so we have a whole, our whole government affairs department, uh, which speaks a language that I definitely don't speak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, their main goal when someone introduces a bill Sometimes they have no idea even what they've done. You know, they've got a constituent that's like chatting in their ear and they're like, do this for me. Um, and then they propose it. And so sometimes we call them and we say like, do you realize how this would impact hunters? And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. If you don't hunt, you don't think about hunters. It's when hard I wasn't to a hunter, I didn't think about hunters. Like if you asked me when I was 18, what I thought about hunting, I have no idea what I would have said. I didn't know a hunter. Yeah. I didn't, no, that's know, I didn't know one that's hunter. You have like a bad opinion. You might just not have one at all. Yeah. And if it's, so if it's like out of sight, like, out of mind, that's, a, that's a good point yeah. because I think we, we often think if you're not with us, you're against us. But some people are like, I didn't even know I should be thinking of you at all. You know, that's a, so, that's a good point to make. I, I'm thinking. Yeah. So I teach hunter education and the first uh, lead instructor I ever taught with, he, was like, you know, there's hunters and then there's anti-hunters. So hunters, you know, roughly make up like 10% of the population, probably more like four or five, but he would always say 10. And then, you know, anti-hunters are maybe 10%. And he's like, what is that other 80%? And everyone in class would sit there and say, well, I don't know. We're like, they're non-hunters. They're not hunters. They're not anti-hunters. They're just non-hunters. And he'd say, do you think you could convince someone who is really anti-hunting to become a hunter? And we're like, no. They're like, could an anti-hunter convince you to stop hunting? We're like, absolutely not. It's like, so the people in the middle who don't hunt, who don't think about hunting, who don't know a hunter, those are the people we're trying to impact. You know, so when you talk about being a good sportsman and being ethical and being presentable, you know don't strap a deer to the hood of your car, don't walk into a diner soaking wet in blood. 
we're talking about influencing the non-hunters and some senators are non-hunters, some local representatives are non-hunters. They don't know us, they don't think about us. They've never known a hunter. So that's kind of our first action that we do is someone from our government affairs department says like, hey, Senator so-and-so, I wanna to talk to you about your bill. Will you explain to me why you wrote it, what you're trying to do with it? Um, and then say, you know, like, this is how it impacts hunters. And a lot of times, a lot of the work that we do is rewriting bills. So we help write that, you know, if they're like, oh, you can't shoot in the direction of a pet. You're like, okay, well, that's good. No one wants to shoot pets or near a pet or over a pet. But did you think about hunters and sporting dogs? No. Okay. So like, let's amend this bill to, you know, add some verbiage that's going to work for hunters. So, so you guys have like, uh, a lot of lawyers on staff then too, because I got to imagine the technicality of how you're putting these words together. Your lawyer are critically important in so far as how they're going to be interpreted. We have a little bit of everybody. So uh, we have a lot of people who have just worked um, in different parts of the you know, legislature. Um, a lot of people who have worked at different state senates. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of smart folks. I have no idea what they do. They just, they <laughs> yeah, tell me when they're like, <laughs> so the other cool thing about our company and the hard thing about my job is we can only talk about a tiny percentage of what we do and what we've done. So when we amend a bill or, you know, there's a really bad bill and we convince someone to withdraw it, um, a lot of times they'll say like, okay, I wrote this bill, I proposed this bill because I felt pressure from these people or this organization or whatever. I'll withdraw it, um, but please don't drag me through the mud. Please don't shout through your megaphones, you know, and put my name everywhere. And we don't. And we don't because we've been around for decades and we don't because these are relationships and this yeah, is, this is what we do. People forget that. And people forget like life is long. Relationships last a long time, yeah. especially if you treat them correctly and invest them properly. Some of these people are going to be around for a long time and they're going to graduate yeah. into more prominent roles likely because people tend to go upwards in their career or sometimes laterally and so forth. So yeah, you certainly don't want to burn bridges and be like, you know, F you pal. Uh, yeah. that is never so going to help you, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's the funny and sometimes challenging part about my job is, uh, you know, we really want to celebrate our wins, you know, and talk about our wins. And when, you know, we're a membership based organization, we're $35 a year. You can donate. Uh, we have a 501c3 and a C4 sportsman's Alliance and the sportsman's Alliance uh, foundation tax deductible, um, you know, just like anyone else. So it's, that's, you know, we want to tell people, this is where your membership dollars are going. This is what we're doing. This is what we're fighting. And this is when we're winning. But we can't always tell people when we've won. Um, you know, we'll do wrap ups like at the end of the quarter and at the end of the year and say, you know, we so actively monitored. Like yeah. So like we actively monitored like 670 bills. Um, we participated in 400 of them and we defeated 70 of them. But we're not going to say like Senator so and so. We called her and made her withdraw her bill. <laughs> that's not our goal. So, yeah. so that's kind of where my job comes in, and it's kind of funny where it's like, well, to walk. we do a lot of great things, but a lot of it's behind the scenes, and 
you know, it's kind of what we do. It's hard but. to bring some of that stuff to service. And, 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 you know, like there's, there's like some brands on social media that are like black rifle coffee or uh free range America or, you know, whatever they're doing so many like content, cool things. It's like, well, there's just so much going on on social media across the board, let alone just our category, let alone your brand and so forth. So how do you make your thing something that people are going to care about? It's, it's tough. It's tough to get people to, and it's hard to understand. Like you said, it's hard to know what some of these folks are even doing. So if I can't comprehend that, like how the hell am I even going to begin to articulate it in layman's terms and in a way that's going to like draw someone in. So I think you, you have your responsibility to, to the people that are paying or donating to have those newsletters that go out where there's recaps, you know, um, well, it's kind of just knowing the mission statement of the organization. So like I've been a Ducks Unlimited committee member as long as I've been hunting, you know, and it's like the Ducks Unlimited model is very simple. It's like we raise dollars to purchase acres. You know, we employ biologists and, you know, habitat specialists to clean up whatever needs to be cleaned up, you know, burn what we need to burn, like restoration. And then it gets turned over. You know, so Ducks Unlimited does not own any acreage. Like, this is what we do. We raise a dollar, we purchase an acre, we turn it back over to the state, and it's like, protected for everyone to use and for people to hunt. Like, that's the goal. Or, you know, like breeding grounds. That's their mission, you know, and it's, uh, I think people get confused sometimes when they don't know the mission statement of the NGO that they're donating to or volunteering for. You know, so it's similar to, there's a couple of other organizations like ours that does a lot of policy work, um, like SCI, like BHA, you know, and people, you know, will say, okay, well, where was your most recent river cleanup? And where did you, you know, pick up trash in the local forest and be like, what we do. So as Sportsman's Alliance, like we're not a chapter-based model. We don't have banquets. You can't, like, we don't have local chapters. We don't have state chapters, anything like that. Um, anyone who wants to organize a river cleanup, you know, forest cleanup, repaint targets at an archery range, like, by all means, like, we're really happy and supportive of that. But we are 100%, you know, we do legislative work. We do lobbying. That's what we do. So. That's good to know. People don't. And we all work together. I mean, there's so yeah. many of our organizations and we all, we all work together and that like, that's our role. And then, you know, Ducks Unlimited, that's their role and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. We do a lot of work with, it's like, we, you have to specialize, like you can't do everything or you're spread too thin. And so mm -hmm. we do what we're really good at and RMEF does what they kick butt at and it really works, you know, together really, really well. Great job summing that up. I mean, I actually feel quite a bit more informed and educated now. I have such a lack of understanding of those things. And oftentimes we'll ask like, who should we partner with? Who should we raise money with or for? Um, like what brands are aligned with us and so forth? And maybe all of them, but different nuances or niches insofar as what their, their mission is and what they are equipped to do inside of their lane. Um, okay, well, let's lighten the mood here a little bit. I... You know, we're at the top of the hour. I'd like to hear your okayest moment. I think you said you had one. I don't know what it is yet. Greg doesn't know what it is. And I'm excited for you to share it. So I'll let you do that. And then we'll kind of uh, bring the plane in for a landing here. My okayest moment. Um, 
I don't know. I think uh, I've had a lot of okay moments. <laughs> I think a lot of <laughs> after all. <laughs> um, yeah, okay moments, subpar moments. Um, yeah, I think probably my most okay moment. Um, I've only ever shot two bucks in my whole life. Um, I don't draw a lot of. Well, I don't put in for a lot of buck tags. I don't hunt a lot of buck tags. I've moved a lot. Um, I mentioned I have ADD. I want to go everywhere and hunt everything all the time. And so every year I kind of focus every year. My goal is to hunt one new state or one new species or both, uh, which I've been really actively working on. And so hunting one tag, one species, one buck for a whole season, kind of hard for me to do kind of hard to do necessarily if you're, you know, own property or you're not living in one place season. So, um, yeah, I've only ever shot two bucks of anything in my whole life. So uh, I guess that's okay. But as I was mentioning in Wyoming, um, you know, you can buy a buck tag for pronghorn for 270 or 370 or something. And you can buy a doe tag for 45 bucks. So I love to eat pronghorn and I've shot a really nice pronghorn buck. Uh, What'd you shoot it with? Uh, 270. <laughs> gun nice. rifle yeah yep. so um but yeah i was like i shot a really nice buck i shot another little less nice buck and after that i'm like i'm good with the 45 dollar doe tag so um yeah my first buck ever was a uh white tail buck down in texas and uh i was down there at a ranch doing some consulting uh for some folks who were trying to get a tv show and uh they were like do you want to shoot a management buck like uh sure so kind of drove me around the ranch and like do you want to shoot that one do you want to shoot that one it's like uh okay this seems interesting and um I was like I don't kind of want to do this I'm like can I just go out and find one stock and find it and uh that's what I ended up doing so I went kind of I mean it was not an exciting hunt um <laughs> I mean it was really cool because it was my first buck but um you know, it was very much kind of, there was a bunch of bucks sitting by themselves, I don't know, a couple thousand yards away from a feeder. And I was like, okay. And I kind of belly crawled, I don't know, a couple hundred yards and pick one out that I like and shot it. So. Well, you did. I yeah, know. no, that's uh, a, <laughs> we like, I don't know, probably the, my most okay moment so it's my first buck i was like this is exciting it's my first time hunting in texas um but you know as far as stories go as far as memories and proud the, moments. the number of the number of things that, so someone i i shared this on uh you know silly tiktok the other day and, and we do a weekly email um where this is the only place this stuff lives right now and i don't that's going to change soonish um we're going to put a, a little book together or like, you know, the deer camp toilet, so to speak. But uh, this one gentleman shared a story. And this is fun for me to tell here, I guess. I'm not going to do a great job. I'm not going to tell the full story. But essentially, the, the cliff notes are, if you want to hear stories like this, you got to just go subscribe to our email. But this guy's wife uh, made white chili for their deer camp. There's 10 guys, two cabins. <clears throat> and they went to one of the cabins to eat dinner. Everyone dispersed back to their you know, prospective cabins after the fact. And this pre-cooked chili turns out wasn't pre-cooked. So they heat up the microwave, ate it, and then at one in the morning or so, 
uh, as this gentleman writes in, <laughs> everyone had to use the bathroom at the same time. Well, yeah, there's only like bathroom, right, and there was a problem, and then that happened throughout the course of the rest of the evening or night, uh, all the way until the alarm went off about four thirty to get up and go into the deer woods, to which they did. Uh, and that problem didn't go away yet. So they're in no, their that stands makes for a very crappy day of, and they're doing the, you know, not a pee pee dance, yeah. but a poo poo dance and their deer stands. And then like, you know, the guy was like, Oh, and then it hit me and I, I couldn't climb down the tree fast enough. I'm running through the woods, stripping off my gear, great, you know, holding my buttocks running past other members in our deer camp as they're starting to peel off to do the same thing. And he goes, I run to the truck. He goes, my, like one of his first years hunting, he grabbed the first thing he could find some owner manual to maybe the vehicle, uh, rips out a couple pages of that. Turns out it didn't do anything to clean him <laughs> other than gave him a couple paper cuts on a few passes and just made a schmeary, this is disgusting, right? Mess everywhere. Uh, and then their dad, because those two brothers, you know, came with all of their gear, weapon, uh, blaze orange this, blaze orange that. The, the, whole, the whole works, right? Everything that you could think of. And that was the okayest moment that he shared that they all had uncooked chili at deer camp. That does not seem okay. (laughs) Oh my God. That was one of the ones I'm reading this. I'm like, I have yet to have ever heard anything like this before yet. People are like, ah, and they're good. They're like, these are, these are embarrassing things that you're probably pissed about when it happened, but you can laugh at later or you forgot this or you didn't do that right or whatever the heck happened. And the, the amount of people pouring these stories in now is just it's a lot of fun and if you're wondering where to do this if you have something that feels that embarrassing and you're wondering where the hell you can you know get this off your conscience <laughs> uh there's a tab on our website titled moments and and that's what that is it's a it's a form submission where you can submit those stories and currently we're sharing those on our our weekly email so if you're subscribed to our email you're going to get a fun story in your inbox tomorrow and i don't even know what's going to be yet um it's not going to be that one because that was last week so it's a uh, you know, there's there's lots of moments like that that I think folks have that they're quote unquote embarrassed by or or whatever. Um, but it's all in good fun and sharing those stories. It's relatable. It, it's humble. It it's a little bit of humility, and it goes to show that even if you're killing the biggest deer ever, look, man, you still have your moments. There's still something that went wrong at some point in time in your hunting career. You wouldn't have gotten to where you were if you didn't make mistakes, because that's how we learn the most. You're never gonna eat uncooked chili again, right? <laughs> like. So, well, it's funny when I first, uh, I don't know, I guess it's been over 10 years now, but when I first started writing articles, doing podcasts, uh, you know, everyone's questions were always, how hard is it to be a woman hunter? How, why is it hard? Why is it challenging or this and that? And after a certain point, I just got really, really sick of those questions and people would go, what's the hardest part about being a female hunter? And they'd go peeing. They'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, peeing. Every time you pee, you have to announce to everyone, people you know, people you don't know, that you're peeing. You're pheasant hunting. You all get out of the truck. You're like, parked by a ditch. You're like, okay, can I go pee in the ditch without announcing to everyone in all three trucks that I'm going to pee? And you're like, Russian roulette. Like, like hi, everyone. I know and I don't know. I'm going to be peeing back here. So don't come by. I'm peeing. Yeah, that would be challenging. Peeing. Yeah. You're on a boat. Duck hunting on a boat in the middle of the ocean in the winter. Really fun for peeing. It's really hard if you're a female. It's hard enough if you're a dude time on a boat. Like Michigan, the waves are rocking. You're like, oh man, I'm going to fall in. You know, trying to. (laughs) 
So yeah, that's about. There's that's like a, uh, man. That's the only thing hard about being a female hunter. The rest there, of it's oh, awesome. Whole, have you heard of the Go Girl? It's trademark Go Girl. It's like a. It's the like Shiwi. a. Shiwi. There's yeah, a lot. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's things. I don't know if those things. I I've seen them around, right? And uh, I'm like, I wonder if they actually help or work. Seems like a good idea. I have no clue. Yeah, not really helpful for chest waiters. So that's a good point. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> Well, you don't eat uh, uncooked chili the night before and wearing chest oh, waders. <laughs> You're screwed. Yep. The oven was inter- introduced. Those ones stay in the those ones stay in the swamp, man. I wouldn't take those home with me. <laughs> Gross. Hey, thanks it's for the stories that make it fun. Yeah, no, yep. that we can all look back and laugh. We appreciate you hanging out with us. It's good to it's good to meet you, talk with you. Um, I mean, for folks that are interested in learning more, either about Sportsman's Alliance or just like you know uh, from you, because you're a wealth of knowledge. Where can you direct people to go? Yeah. Um, well, we're on social media, Sportsman's Alliance on Facebook, Sportsman's All on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, if you want to follow my random wandering shenanigans, I'm Courtney with Freckles on Instagram. So lots of bad pictures of good food. And yeah, who knows awesome. what. Where can people see some of your writing? We talked about that, right? Uh, do you have anything new coming out that you can talk about or anything that just is fresh off the press? <clears throat> um, ooh. Yeah, I have an article coming out in, I think, the next issue of Wildfowl Magazine, a hunt I did up in Canada last year. And I have an article about a company called the Duck Boat Company that's based here on Cape Cod coming out in the next um, catalog for, um, yeah, one of the Waterfowl Magazine. So Cool. That's awesome. Watch out for that stuff. Well, thanks again. We're going to end the live broadcast. Folks that tuned in, commented, and so forth, we always appreciate you guys and gals jumping into the comment section. No callers on this episode. I suspect that'll change as we get closer to the season. It's always fun to have people actually call in. Um, but yeah, if we if everyone have you back on as new things are happening with Sportsman's Alliance or in your career, like stay in touch and uh, we'll end the live broadcast for now. See you. Cool. Night, guys.